Hello, this is Helga Edwards, and I'm here with my husband, Bob. Today, we will be reading Genesis 25, verses 27 to 34, from the Common English Bible. This passage focuses on the relationship between Isaac and Rebekah's two sons, Jacob and Esau. Beginning at verse 27. When the young men grew up, Esau became an outdoors man who knew how to hunt, and Jacob became a quiet man who stayed at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was boiling stew, Esau came in from the field hungry and said to Jacob, I'm starving. Let me devour some of this red stuff. That's why his name is Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright today. Esau said, Since I'm going to die anyway, what good is my birthright to me? Jacob said, Give me your word today. And he did. He sold his birthright to Jacob. So Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. He ate, drank, and got up, and left, showing just how little he thought of his birthright. Here ends our reading of Genesis chapter 25. What was Esau's birthright? According to an ancient patriarchal custom, the firstborn male of a family would inherit the wealth and power of his father in order to effectively watch over his household after his father's passing. In human terms, the oldest male offspring was viewed as having the greatest capacity for safeguarding the family in a competitive and potentially violent social context. Some complementarians assert that this patriarchal arrangement was both universal and God-ordained. This is incorrect. The patriarchal birthright was not universal. Numerous ancient historians, such as Herodotus, Diodorus Siculus, Strabo, Pausanias, and Pompeius Trogus all make mention of a nation ruled by women that did not follow patriarchal customs. This society could be found chiefly in the region of Asia Minor, which is roughly modern-day Turkey. The women of this society are credited by Pompeius Trogus, a 1st century BC Roman historian, as being the founders of Ephesus. Instead of relying on masculine strength to protect them, the women in this society trained for war from a very young age. Recent archaeological findings support these ancient historical accounts. Extraordinarily large women were found buried in this region along with their implements of war such as spears, daggers, bows, arrows, etc. On average, they were half a foot taller than Greek women of the same period. They were even taller than most Greek men. The patriarchal birthright of the firstborn son was not universal. Neither was it God-ordained. When David was anointed king of Israel by the prophet Samuel, he was his father's youngest son. David's father, thinking like a man of his times, assumed that his firstborn son Eliab would be chosen. Samuel, however, explained that God did not choose leaders using the same criteria as human beings. As we read in 1 Samuel 16:7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. 
People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In looking for a leader, God did not consider criteria that human culture might value. Specifically, he did not consider a person's physical attributes. All that concerned him was a person's heart. We find a similar idea in Psalm 147 verse 10, which reads, God is not impressed by the strength of a horse. He does not value the power of a man. Physical appearance, physical stature, masculinity. Though these are the attributes some human cultures value, God focuses on the characteristics of a person's heart. As Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In reflecting on God's choice of David as king over Israel, it is also important to recognize that God never initially intended his people to be ruled over by a human king. Once again, it is the prophet Samuel that provides some insight into God's way of thinking. Quote, but when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands, and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Unquote. And we find that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 6 through 22. Trusting in human strength, trusting in the power of a man, following the example of nations that did not know God. This was not God's will. It was a form of idolatry that brought God's people into bondage. God did not want this for his people. Rather, his people chose something evil 
in the hope that good might come. Before Israel chose a man for a leader, God himself was Israel's king. In times of trouble, when persecuted by hostile forces, God would raise up judges to defend and deliver his people. These judges were not exclusively male. One was a woman and a prophet named Deborah. Patriarchal theologians insist that God had to choose Deborah because no male leaders were available. This sexist thinking directly contradicts the text of Judges chapter 5, verses 2 and 15, which mentions the male leaders that served alongside Deborah. Deborah led the defense of Israel against King Jabin of Hazor. Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, was also notably struck down by a woman named Jael. God does not value the power of a man, and he is not dependent upon human kings to accomplish his will. Human history is filled with examples of patriarchal norms. One of these was the inheritance rights of the firstborn son. Another was something called the divine right of kings to rule over others. Combining these two traditions, the power and wealth of a king would be passed down to his oldest male offspring and heir. None of these hierarchical and sexist traditions accurately reflect the will of God. Christian husbands, for example, in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, are commanded to honor their wives as fellow heirs of God's kingdom. In Christ, the Apostle Paul wrote, nor is there male and female, for you are all one. And we find that in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. Addressing his followers, Jesus warned them, Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We find that in Matthew chapter 23, verses 10 through 12. Today, as always, followers of Jesus Christ must make careful distinctions between what is exalted in fallen human culture and what is valued in the eyes of God. We must be wary of embracing something evil in the hope that good may come. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, for example, Jesus was offered all the kingdoms of the world if only he would bow to Satan. Jesus did come to redeem all of humanity from sin, and this may have seemed like a shortcut to accomplishing his mission. Nevertheless, Jesus replied, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then we find that account in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. We cannot place our faith in masculine power or human leaders to accomplish God's will. We must trust in God alone to accomplish his purposes by whatever means he may choose. We must not embrace evil in the hope that good may result, and women and men must seek to honor one another with pure hearts as equals in the kingdom of God.